I would say this. I think the people that don't have those skills, the emotional intelligence, the 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 empathy, the character, moral courage, relationship management, uh, influence, persuasion, all those things that, that I, I talk about and you do as well, they will guaranteed top out in their career. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 73. And today my guest is Dr. Alan Patterson, who has more than three decades of international business experience. In 2006, he formed Mentori, a consulting practice specializing in leadership and organizational development. His expertise has been tapped by many global and national businesses and organizations, including Anheuser-Busch, Biogen, the Federal Reserve Bank, Johnson & Johnson, Hewlett-Packard, Major League Baseball, and the United States Navy. He is the author of Leader Evolution, From Technical Expertise to Strategic Leadership. Dr. Patterson has been a college lecturer, and he's a frequent presenter at several state and national conferences. He's the past board chair of Fondulac, a boys and girls club, and is a member of the Fondulac Women's Fund Board. I've known Alan for a number of years because he's one of the thought leaders at the Business Learning Institute. Alan. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your hectic and busy schedule to be a guest on my podcast. Peter, this is this is a privilege more than it is anything else. A privilege to be with you and your audience. <laughs> well, thank you so very much. And I know my audience is going to enjoy this conversation today. So I've given the audience a little bit about your background. What else can you tell us about the Dr. Alan Patterson? Well, the Dr. Alan Patterson, <laughs> Dr. Alan M. Patterson. I, I can tell you, I, act, I started my career in education. I got a doctorate in education way back uh, when they, they still weren't writing on tablets, but they weren't at computers yet. <laughs> and I always had an interest in uh, the consulting training and development field. So I, I made that switch back in the 80s and uh, worked for a couple of consulting groups then joined two of my partners for almost 20 years in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, doing a uh, similar kind of consulting I'd done before in the past. And it was all about in that competency development range, finding out those additional factors that make somebody successful in the job well beyond the technical expertise. And uh, 2006 was a momentous year because uh, we we uh, split up. Uh, it was all amicable. Uh, I decided to continue on my own and have been doing that. While my background is not the same as yours, uh, Peter, and I'm sure many of your guests, I'm more out of the social science psychology side of life than I am a CPA. I, I don't have that designation or background. Uh, yet I've been fortunate in doing some work over the years, uh, starting with AICPA. 
And then you and I met uh, through the Business Learning Institute. And I, I, you know, I was trying to think today, I think it's, it's, I think it's 10 years. It may even be a little bit longer. 2005, for some reason, pops out in my mind. Definitely 2007 before 2008. So I, I have some familiarity of working with folks um, in your field, in the field of uh, finance and accounting, both public accounting and business and industry. So what can I say? I'm a lone ranger, hired gun. You, you, you need help. The doctor is in. Somebody wanted a, one of my marketing guys years ago wanted to call me the, the doctor of business, organizational development, something like that. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good title. Yeah, that is. Doctor an organization. organizational coach, not an individual coach. <laughs> so you say so you've been, I mean, you've been working with CPAs for a while. And what are some of the courses that you've been, that you have worked with them through the Business Learning Institute? Well, even before then, one of the first courses I did with AICPA, I called from a controller to CFO and what the differences were in those jobs as I understood them. And that that theme really is the basis for the book that I wrote, uh, which happy to chat about uh, briefly in, in a few minutes. That So that course from technical or financial expert to strategic business leader uh, is one of the more popular courses that I do with the Business Learning Institute, how to uh, operate as a partner and strategist to the business, uh, high-performance teams. Um, I'm re-recording some webcasts right now to include uh, one inclu- uh, that I'm going to entitle uh, uh, What It Takes to Be a Successful First-Time Manager. Then uh, other courses along the way, uh, Building Trust and Credibility, so it's all on the the side of building relationships, getting more savvy about the business, uh, less on the well, not even less, nothing on the uh, technical side. I'm not the I'm not the guy you'd hire to do a tax update. If I would, we'd probably all end up uh, in jail. Uh, but if you need you, you need a kick in the pants about a delegation, I, I'm probably your guy. Yeah, uh, you're you're much. I, I don't know. We we use the term soft skills, and I, I'm not a fan of the term. But I found a way that kind of connects with people. I said we may call them soft, but they're actually pretty hard to master. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And, and I, I get the light bulb on, and and, and then the, then I think Tom Hood has just gotten rid of and just called them hard skills. Yeah, I've had clients correct me and say they're not soft at all. Yeah, they're not. And so when, when that, that first course that you did with the AACPA back in the day and to what you're doing today, have you seen any change in that that audience member? Are they coming maybe a little bit more prepared? Uh, they, they have a little bit more of these interpersonal skills than they did back in the day? Or are you not seeing that very much of a, of a change? Well, I think... You know, it's funny you say that because that first course I did for AICPA, I recall, was 1997. And uh, Goldman's book came out in 95, Emotional Intelligence, but it wasn't it wasn't described that way. I think you I found more people aware of the emotional intelligence side of life and it's it's place in uh, job success and business success. Uh, Having said that, there is still a group of people that will will articulate that 
the uh, interpersonal skills is not their strength. And I don't think so from that vantage point, I don't think it's changed at all. Maybe, and this is just gut, I think there's more recognition that there's another set of success factors. Uh, Yet, I think the profession, much like I I work with a lot of uh, scientists, engineers, IT people, uh, it's a very, very similar pattern that what drew them into the profession uh, was not uh, the the, uh, selling your ideas. (laughs) It was it was doing the work. It's doing the work. There's a book you should read. It's called If You Are If I Understood You, What I Have This Look on My Face. And it's by Alan Alda. And it's along the same lines of, you know, in in that scientific community on uh, how he's found a way to, you know, get his audience to understand him by putting things in, not in scientific terms, but in plain English. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's, that's uh, funny you should mention that Uh, in doing some recent writing, the fundamental skills, the real differentiators They're both fundamental and differentiator, which sounds like an oxymoron. In my mind, on the communication side, are the the big three still far and away. Number one is active listening. Number two is communicating the level of the audience understanding. And number three is understanding the perspective of the people you're talking to. I mean, that's that those haven't changed and they're still there. And I, I and I, I will tell you, as I tell my clients, I can't believe I'm making money going to organizations, telling them that they have to listen. They have to be better at listening. And, and, and there's nothing immune. No one is immune from that. So the more senior you are, there's no guarantee that you're a better listener. Maybe just the opposite. I, I would agree with that. It's um, when I've worked with audiences, you know, uh, that active listening, that listening to understand is a component in, in improv. And I'll whether it's 20 people in the room or 100 people in the room, I'll ask the question, how many of you feel like you're good listeners? And I may get less than 1% of the hands going up. Yeah. And then I'll ask, how many of you are interrupters? And I'll get about 75% of the hands up. Yeah. Well, I, I, I say, and, and this is, this is a, I take this on as a, a, a personal challenge to your audience here. Think of somebody you know that's a good listener. Think of one person you know that's a good listener and talk about that person and what they're like and what that person means to you. And it's it's pretty it's pretty dynamic. So I think it's one of the biggest compliments somebody uh, can give another person. And because good listener doesn't mean you're a pushover. But it's it's at the root of so many of the issues that, uh, you know, what what was what's the latest issue? I think the latest issue, the 2000. A 10 decade issue is pivot. But before that, it was teamwork. Uh, no, before that was empowerment. Before that was teamwork. And before that was communication. I mean, what what are we talking about? You know, it's still there. Yeah, it, it hasn't changed. And, and I think to some degree, I think the large as your organization gets larger and larger and larger, the listening goes down considerably because decisions have already been made. They're, they're not really looking for, for input. And, and that thing about listening is, you know, to be an to be an active listener or someone who listens to understand, you got to park your agenda. You got you to park what, what you're coming to the table with and, and be focused and give that undivided attention. 
to the individual while, while even while they're talking, you can still process information. And, and, and when they're done, ask a question, make a comment, add to the converse, add to the conversation. Putting aside the fact that uh, dialogue and civil discourse are in the crapper, just the, the listening part of this to me is pretty intriguing because, again, Daniel Goldman, you see where he's headed now. You know, he's written a book on uh, a couple of years ago on focus. So this has come out of emotional intelligence interest. And now he's into uh, mindfulness. And so it, it, it's it's. The level of distraction that people are dealing with is not just distraction. First of all, it's it's just the day to day uh, morass of of incoming God knows what. And heaped upon that is how do you know where the priorities are if you don't have your head screwed on straight? Uh, it may it's put put the need to to listen at a premium. And uh, the, a lot of people are talking. That doesn't help. <laughs> it's not. It's not that you have to listen to all the talking. It's just that you know when you need to focus, and you do. And it's a it's a more meaningful, uh, productive conversation. And how many of those conversations are tied to decisions? So it's a business issue. It's not just a social interaction issue. And it's fun, it's funny you should say that. So uh, last week I was in Omaha, Nebraska, driving to Lincoln, Nebraska. And there was a billboard sign that really caught my eye. So it was a Mutual of Omaha billboard. And it's, I think, if my memory serves me correctly, it said, we start by listening first or something along those lines. And that's, that's one of the few billboards I've ever seen where they're addressing, come and talk to us. We're not going to talk to you. We're going to listen to you first to understand what your needs and wants are before we make any type of response. Yeah, I mean, you think about it and even just take this conversation we're having as an example. This is fundamental. I mean, this is what you want people to master. Soft skill, hard skill, what kind of skill you want to talk, communication skill. You'd say, okay, well, wouldn't isn't this fundamental? And it is because there's so much that has to happen that's based on doing this successfully. I mean, we're not even talking about the business per se. We're not talking about professional development per se. I would say this. I think the people that don't have those skills, the emotional intelligence, the the, the empathy, the character, moral courage, relationship management, uh, influence, persuasion, all those things that, that I, I talk about and you do as well, they will guaranteed top out in their career and they will be frustrated in their career because they will be passed over or put in a box or put in the corner or put in the timeout place. You know, it's just they're not. It, it, and it, it it's that's what it boils down to. It's not the it's not the knowledge side. It's not the technical, the financial uh, side. And so I would I, I've even said, Peter, I think the characterization of a subject matter expert being a SME is not just that they know a lot and have a lot of experience. It's that they know a lot, have a lot of experience. They're approachable, available, and visible to other people to help them solve their problems. There you go. Perfect. So the, the, this 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 active listening, the, the, this this empathy, this this what what seems to be lacking. Uh, how do you how did you tackle this? Because as you were describing all of that, I I, I 
I have one small rebuttal to that comment, and especially as it relates to public accounting, because I've I've talked to firms and they recognize that some of the staff who have made it up maybe to a senior manager level, that they provide something to the firm from a strictly technical perspective. They're not going to drive any business. So instead of making them an equity partner, they would give them this directorship level. There's, they're not an equity partner. They're not expected to go out and bring in business, but they're expected to be the subject matter expert technically inside of that organization. And I've, and I've only seen that in a, in a few firms in public accounting, but you, know, you don't see that in business and industry. I, I, have not, I have not run into that acceptance. Well, let's just look at it this way. I'm not saying those positions don't exist. I'm not saying that people are not valuable to an organization for anything other than their subject matter expertise. I would say there is a baseline, a threshold that has to exist, if nothing more, on the approachability side and the understanding and willingness to be clear and would have a way to engage people. They don't have to be an extrovert. They don't have to be uh, Dr. Margaritas getting up on the stage. I know he's he's there somewhere <laughs> doing improv. That's, you know, I often find people saying, well, you know, I'm an introvert. And it's like, I, I don't care. That's not the point. The point is that you still have to have a baseline of uh, understanding and uh, beyond just the technical uh, or financial knowledge. So, yeah, I, I I remember a guy I used to work with years ago, and I love this guy. He was a he was one of the the founders of this process that created this very generic, now highly successful software and something or other. And he's the only guy in the world I know that said, "I don't want any distractions. Give me an interior office with no windows." And it's like, just to let me do my thing. I don't want to manage other people. And yet he was one of the most approachable people I ever met because he, he loved what he did and he was just so good at it. And uh, he, was, he was great. Yeah, and I think about a lot of people who maybe get into the accounting profession because maybe they, they want to do that kind of exact same thing. Uh, and, and maybe they're introverted and quote unquote, maybe they don't like people. But I think, Today's world, if uh, if you're coming into the profession like that, then in order to excel, in order to grow your career, in order to move up the ladder, you're going to have to find a way to make those connections and start liking people. And if you're in public accounting, driving business, networking, business development, or you will be moved to the side. Yeah, I mean, you, you said this. You you may see those people as subject matter experts, and they're they're put in some type of directorship and not an equity partner. Listen, I don't think, and this I found out in that course, going from controller to CFO, I had several people over the course of the three or four years I was doing this that would come up to me at the end of the, the day. This, these were long ago in the days of eight hour, oh my God, can I hang on to it myself for eight hour workshops? People would come up at the end of the day, some people would come up and say, you know what? I don't wanna be a CFO. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to deal with the, uh, the maybe the business and accounting side. It's just all the political side. It's like nobody says you have to. So nobody says you have to be an equity partner. Nobody says you have to be a head of the lab. Nobody says you have to be an engineering director. You want to be an engineer? 
fine. I'm just saying, and it's a point you made, what's your personal goal in all of that? And if it's to have a broader impact, uh, which some most people want or feel that you've been more successful, then what I would say is, well, there's a little more than what you what you signed up for. Actually, there's a lot more. But I'm not telling you don't do that. I'm not telling you to be the uh, uh, not be the tax guru or the audit guru. I say go for it. I'm just saying that real success, and especially from a business perspective, that the success there lies with not just understanding, but really a solid use to mastery of different skill sets. It's different. Solid use to mastery. So I can come and take one of your eight-hour, four-hour, two-hour, 20-minute, whatever it is, and then I'm going to have that mastery after that. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I make I make no claims. I mean, that's uh, about that. I don't think that's you know. People want the easy answer. I'll say, okay, here I'm going to give you the easy answer. You have to learn how to influence other people, and influence is based on credibility. I don't have. There's no shortcut. There's being smarter about it, but there's no there's no shortcut. Yeah, th- there's no shortcut. But I think people go. I, I think it was actually with Simon Sinek. I was watching one of his videos, and he made a comment that. I can't teach you leadership. I can give you some tools. If you come to one of my sessions or watch a TED Talk, I can, I can present you with the tools. However, you have to practice it every single day to get to that mastery level. But what, what happens with that audience member? They go right back to work the next day or the following Monday, and they get stuck back into that rut. Well, the, you know, mastery, do, who, who do you want to read about talking about mastery? I mean, there, there are several gurus out there, Senec being uh, one of them. But And it's it, 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 all of them that I've read say the same thing is that it's drudgery. It's, there's, nothing, there's nothing about mastery that will be exciting. It's the day-to-day overreaching, you know, how many – Thousands of free throw shots did Michael Jordan do? How many hours of practice does a classical uh, uh, violinist uh, do? How much time does an Olympic swimmer spend in the in the water at all hours of the day and night? And I mean, this is I don't you, you and I are a little bit different uh, age, but probably in the same broad category of our career. You know, how much of what you know now is based on 20, 30 years of experience that it, it, that you wouldn't have had earlier? And I, that that to me is now is the legacy I want to have is I don't think there's shortcuts. I do think that there are ways to get people focused early on in their career to be very clear and understand what are the skills what are the practices? What are the techniques that you can use to be successful and head this off at the pass when you're going to hit a point in your career when you when you're thinking, okay, what does it mean and how do how do I get to the next level? Well, it's going to be a different skill set. That's what I'm going to tell you. It's not going to be knowing more, at least know more about accounting or finance. It's going to be learning how to be to, to be successful in working through other people and selling your ideas. And it's going to be a ton about learning the business, not finance and accounting. You want a seat at the table. That's how you get it. 
You get a seat at the table because you understand the business, not because you're good looking like you or, or, or me. <laughs> so two things here. We'll come back to what, that last piece that you said, but as you were you were talking about that drudgery, made me made me think of of, of, a, of a quote. It's one of my I, I love this quote. Quote is by Robert Schuler. Spectacular achievement is always preceded by unspectacular preparation. It's that's what it is. Yeah, I had a doctor when I was uh, like 13 years old. I broke my arm yet again. He had already put me to sleep, uh, but he knocked me out for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but I remember he told my mother and she told me, he said, what I'm going to do in the next five minutes uh, took me eight years of medical school and beyond to learn. Yeah. It's like, oh, OK. OK. <laughs> but yeah, sure, Go ahead. Have that paper. <laughs> Snap it back into place. Yeah. I'm all for it. Just make sure that I'm knocked out, please. <laughs> That's right. So going back to the other thing you're saying, getting to know the business. We got to understand the business. And the business is more than just the finance side of the business. It's operational. And we in the profession have been talking for a long time. We want to be our client. Now, use that term in a broad base, whether it's public accounting or whether it's you know, B&I. I want to be my client's trusted business advisor. And there's a difference between my trust, the trusted business advisor versus the trusted financial advisor. Uh, no doubt. And, and, and I did. I, I wrote an article about two years ago. It basically said it's time to it's time for us to get out behind from behind our desk. And the premise of it was: if you want to be that trusted business advisor, you need to explore the business, not just the, the financials, the whole business in totality. I, I, Peter, I would say it's more. It's not that you have to explore the business. It's you have to know the business. You start off with the exploration. So let's imagine people had you or me as their coach. Okay. God forbid you and I together as their <laughs> coach. But what, what would you be telling somebody that's 10, 12, maybe not 10, but 12, 15 years in their career? You, you start off with, okay, well, you know what you know on on finance side and the accounting side. What do you need to do to build that out? How do you stay on top of it? Okay, here's the deal. From this point forward, that's a given. You don't get extra credit. Let's talk about the people you need to be in front of and how you do that and how you have your visible uh, and available to people that you are more visible to people that you haven't been uh, seen or that have seen you or know you. And, And then at that same mark, you're going to say, okay, let's talk about how you learn about the business. You know, what do you know? Where's the business headed? What are the trends? I mean, this is where all the strategic stuff kicks in. But for somebody that's in there, I don't know, what would 15 years of experience be in this day and age, mid thirties or so? It's like, okay, you want to, depending on where you're going or where you're headed, even as a high level individual contributor, I would say the differentiator eight are there in terms of successful performance are still on the business side. There's there's an understanding and knowledge of the business and how the business makes money. And the fact that you know finance and accounting is you're in a position that most people aren't in the business. They don't get to see what you see. They don't know what you know. So you, you can wow them with your knowledge of I don't know what 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 do you need knowledge of these days? It's of uh, uh, international tax aid, uh, uh, international tax codes, or or which which country we need to do our assembly in, and and where do we manufacture? You you can know all those things, and that's valuable. But it's that you understand what the business is doing, 
where you can say, you want to save money, we need to go here, not there. You want, or, or let's talk about the risk. I mean, this is not my specialty. This is your audience's specialty. It's like you want to you want to talk about this now, not about taking risk, but how you understand what risk looks like and the and the risk that you're about to take. So, so that's that's the business advisor part. It's like, yeah, it's it's a crapshoot. Just as long as you understand what's there and how we stay legal and 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 you know, maintain our reputation and do what we can do. It's like, let's just know it, ready, set, let's go. And I take it, there's probably a lot of the content in your book. What do you tell that audience member? How do you, how, what's the one key thing that they need to start working on today to take them from technical expertise to that strategic leader? Well, it depends on where you are. Okay. Because the one thing's going to look different. I'm, Controller going to be a CFO. I'm a CFO that wants to maybe move to the C-suite. Broader visibility, broader understanding of the business and providing that guidance and opinion and getting people and selling those ideas to others. You got to be, I had a colleague a number of years ago, this was on the HR side, not the finance side. And she was the number two HR person in a defense department contractor of over 100,000 employees. And I said, well, so what's your day look like? And she said, oh, I'm in meetings all day. I said, oh, you must hate that. She said, are you kidding? I love it because most of the time I'm with the people I need to be influencing. So you want to take that next step. That's what you got to do. And, and it's not going to happen from controller to CFO. It's it's you you've you've started that you you have you have to have that credibility, that expertise, not just on the finance and accounting side, but on this broader application side sooner. And that the CFO part comes because, well, I mean, how do you get those jobs? Because you've gone to a smaller company, or your CFO has moved over to, or a different company, or your CFO has moved on, and and you're in the in the uh, on the bench for that and ready to come up. Hopefully, you've gotten those additional experiences, and it's really it's that that understanding. It's not the understanding; it's being a part of uh, those decisions. When you were describing the, your HR person at the defense contract, it reminded me of of a story of of a good friend of of um, my wife and I. When she started her career in retail, uh, and, and she started in HR, she didn't have a college degree when she started, and she says to this day, "I could never have." I, today, she probably wouldn't have gotten hired. So, but she went from no degree as a HR uh, specialist. And over her career, when she retired, she retired as the executive vice president of human resources for a Fortune 500 company. And I asked her, how did she do that? And she said, I had to get my technical side of the, of the business down. But once I got to become manager, I had to understand how the business worked. And this is what gave me the idea for the article. I had to understand how our business works. So I went to sales and, and asked, how do, how do we support you? What do you need? She went to customer service. She went to distribution. Then she said, I had to come to finance and, and, and talk to the CFO. And he was talking Chinese to me. So I had to get him to you know, put accounting into a language where I understood and, and how we supported the business. And she was one of the trusted business advisors of a Fortune 500 company. And, and I just love that story. But 
to the same to the same discussion. Yeah, and and distill that down for me, Peter, as the master uh, improv entrepreneur consultant educator entertainer that you are. Distill that skill set down of this colleague of yours and your your friend of you and your wife. What is it that she did? What's the skills that she used that made her successful? Oh, she's she is the the master communicator for one. She connects well with everybody. She's she's very she's very firm and, and she holds her ground, but great on great on managing relationships, great on building relationships and and having empathy. I think those are her, her big skill sets in, in reflecting back, as well as she's a very, very driven individual. Which now that we're not going to teach anybody. No, you, you can't. You can't teach you know, that. So we'll we'll take intrinsic motivation and put kind of put that one aside and say I, you can't develop that. I mean, if you did, it'd take you, you you'd die before you could really <laughs> help somebody. So, but but there you go. That's what it is. You great communicator, uh, great understanding, great listener. But look what she did and this is that you this is the crux of what i say about how to be a partner and strategist to the business I, what i've done and i encourage anybody to do you, you don't have to read my book to do this it's well you need to go out and talk to people and listen and you know what we call that we've got a name for that what's that that's called a dialogue <laughs> <laughs> That's not problem solving. Mm. Do you remember what a dialogue is? I said a dialogue is when people go for mutual understanding. Understanding is not agreement. If it's talking without listening, those are dueling monologues. And you can't take dueling monologues and say because you've got two or more people doing it, it's a dialogue. No, she went out and said, Tell me about how we support you. Tell me what your challenges are. If we were to do one thing better, what would that look like? I've been thinking about this. What would that do to your group or how would that impact your group? Oh, okay, great idea. Hold that thought. I want to go talk to somebody else and see how they see it and bring that back to you. Is that something I can do? Well, of course. Yeah, you're talking about my business. Of course you can. You're going to help me. So I just take this is the competency approach. You just take your colleague, your friend, take what I mean take is you watch her, you observe her, you then start to say, okay, what are the skills, the behaviors, tools, techniques that she uses? And then you go to people that may or may not have them say, okay, here's what you need to do. You want to be a partner and strategist? Here's what you have to do. You have to pick those people that are that are, are not just in the critical path, but there's some priority around them. And then you go out and you talk to them. Oh, you need to ask open-ended questions. You need to probe. You need to listen. You need to decide what else you need, you know, what you can and can't do. Don't make these problem-solving sessions initially because everybody wants to solve the problem. But I'm saying there is a problem-solving aspect, but the basis of the relationship is the dialogue. And sometimes we, you know, I, I um, spoke to a partner in a firm and she made a comment that she could speak to four or 500 people in a presentation and have no worries about it. But to get in a smaller conversation with maybe three or four people, that was a challenge for her. That, that was a struggle. Chris, Chris Jenkins, who's the CEO of the uh, South Carolina Association of CPAs, he, he was sharing on the, on the episode that we recorded something similar to that. 
And how he got past that to be able to engage a conversation, he said that he, there was a, um, when he was at the House Society, they brought in a, a uh, presentation specials. And basically, he told Chris, is, next to an elevator, strike up a conversation with the person there. And then, and then, you know, introduce yourself or whatever and just say, this is what you're working on. This is the, the, the challenge I've been given. And he did it. And he kept doing it. And he kept doing it. And he kept doing it. And despite all the restraining orders he's had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, he just, he, he just kept doing it and put it in play to the point that it's now second nature. To be in a group of, a smaller group and, and, and be part of that dialogue or get into that dialogue. You know what's ironic to me about it, uh, Peter, is the questions are really simple. And the goal is to have people talk and for you to understand what they're talking about. So, you know, why do we talk about the weather? Why do we talk about the Red Sox? Why do we talk about the hurricane. We're talking, we're trying to figure out a way to see what we, sh th those are things we share in common, or at least we have an opinion on, right? The weather is pretty obvious, but that's, you know, how was your weekend? All those things are intended to, to look, or should be intended to look for ways that we connect. So for, I mean, I don't know about you, I have no problem. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite for me. I can talk to anybody in an elevator, it doesn't take anything to, you know, I, I get in an elevator coming back from the airport. Uh, I mean, I'm in, the, you know, going up to the car. Somebody's there with a suitcase. Well, are they are they coming back home or are they going out? Well, they're not going out. They're coming home. Where have you been? You know, I bet you're glad to get home. So, yes, I think the point, I think people may miss it. And that's one thing I, I, I've done. I did uh, a few months ago with a client. Uh, in Florida through BLI, and it was about how to be a partner and strategist. I said, okay, well, let's make this a little scientific. Let's create a protocol. That's a fancy way of saying four or five open-ended questions. I want you to think of a specific person you have in mind where you can go in and talk to them and listen to them. And guess what? You get a say in this too. Dialogue goes both ways. It's just that you're doing the initiation. You don't go in and say, okay, I want to be your business partner which everybody wants to be. So big deal. But this is this is something that looks a lot different. And that's what, you know, when you're sitting down with three or four people, that's what makes it real. You know, it's not this anonymous, uh, okay, here's one good idea. It's like, no, I want to know how we, what I need. I need to understand manufacturing better if I'm an HR professional. How am I going to serve you? I'm a, I'm a finance professional. I'm a business analyst. I'm good at what I do. I want to understand where this business is headed or this part that I support of the business. I want to understand where that's headed and what this is going to look like and what the implications are. I want to know that stuff. And most people will talk to you about that, uh, business people, if they're good, because they, they need the help. They do. And there also has to be a level of trust. But before before anything is is exchanged, really, there has to be at least a baseline of of trust and respect before I'm gonna. And, and, and there's no doubt, and that that's just part of. The, so so this again to be a consultant here, this is how do you break that down into its component parts? And it's not saying I want to be your business partner. It's taking those opportunities where you work together 
or finding or creating those and then being successful, commit and deliver. And the more you do that and the more you build on it, the more you trust it. And the more you trust it, the more you can find out about what's what their challenges are and what keeps them up at night. And now we're talking for the long haul. I mean, that's that's but it's the success is built on actually accomplishing a project, a goal, an activity, not just one, but many. That's how you do it. I, I kind of backed into it. I thought, well, let's just do, let's play, you know, go into a group, play We Are the World, uh, hold hands and, <laughs> and uh, say, Peter, I want to be your business partners and uh, we're, we're here to support you and all that kind of uh, other kind of BS that nobody buys. You go toe to toe and work on something. Now you, now you got it. Now you have a chance. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it seems so simple as we talk about it, but we know that it's difficult in application. No doubt. And it just, it just takes, I mean, persistence, it, it takes, it, it just takes that, that will, that, that yeah. drive. And not, yeah. not everybody has it, but like I said, most people do just. Well, here it, it, it is. And it is, you know, uh, you, you make a great point because I'll, I'll tell folks, it's like, well, I didn't get invited to the meeting. Well, why do you think that would be the case? Said if you're a roadblock, if you're a roadblock, if you knew somebody that was a roadblock, would you invite them to the meeting? No, I don't think so. You tell them what to do well after the fact. If you've got something that can provide, that's a, an opinion, that's you know an expert opinion, yeah, that'll that'll get you, that'll get you there. That should get you invited to the meeting. Oh, sometimes you have to invite yourself. Maybe they didn't think about it. Maybe you were an oversight, or it just didn't think, it didn't occur to someone that it might be financial implications. And when you find out about it, invite yourself. Now, where where does that come from? Is that is that uh, uh, intrinsic drive? I think it is in part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I and mean, I think you have to be willing to go out there if that's not something that comes natural to you. But those, it's with that in mind. There is so much gray in this world. That's why I can never be a good accountant. I, I can't see black or white. <laughs> I, can, I can't say anything. I, I can say that everything's not numbers, maybe, but yeah, maybe it's you know it's still perception and negotiable. It's like okay, you know, you can't do that with everything. But the point is, is there's a lot more. I, I, I liken it to um, back in the day when I used to do more running, you'd be in a road race, road race. And, you know, right from the get go or from like, you know, a quarter, a half mile out or longer, you'd start to see the crowd start to spread out. And there are lots of openings and you just go for them. And it's like, well, that what is that's the daylight that people can operate in in a lot of things. They sound it seems like things are nailed down. Nothing's nailed down. No, you're right. Nothing, well, that's nothing. not fair to say, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know where you're going that's with that. Because things are nailed down, but not as many as you think. Right. Yeah, there's, don't look at it as an obstacle. Look at it as an opportunity. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so where can they find your book? Where can my audience find your book? From technical well, expert to strategic leadership. Yeah, yeah. They can find it. I hope they're sitting down and have a pencil in hand. <laughs> they're going to find it at this company. It's called Amazon. That's A-M-A-Z-O-N.com. Let me repeat. www.amazon.com. And uh, they'll find it there or they can contact me directly. I'd be happy to to uh, ship out a copy for them. And how can they contact you? 
My email address is a Patterson, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, at mentori, M-E-N-T-O-R-E.com. That's mentor with an E. It's uh, the Italian word for mentor, and I thought it sounded neat. I hope I'm somebody's mentor before I die. <laughs> well, you, you, you are a mentor to a lot of people. Uh, those, those who attend your sessions, those who watch your videos, those who listen to this, I've, you know, I, 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 probably one of the things I love about doing this podcast, I've, I learned so much from all of my guests. This is going to be, I think, episode seven. This is, a, this is episode 73. And I've learned so much. I've learned so much today. I mean, you've given me some additional ideas and some additional thoughts. And, and you're a great mentor. Well, thank you, Peter. And I look forward in the future to having you back on the podcast. You can get me anytime. Anytime. I am, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like a fast food. I'm cheap and tasty. <laughs> I hope I hope that makes the cut. <laughs> it's going to make the cut. <laughs> There's yeah. other ways to describe it, but I don't want to say it. I, I just don't want to say it. Oh my god! Get to talk to somebody that's, that that loves what they do. How how cool is that, Peter? Yeah, I mean cool that. That's that's what you and I have in common. It's like right. this is cool stuff. Yeah, this is fun. This is this is this is this is passion. <laughs> is it? I, 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 I keep it tasty. I'm I'm gonna just let this. Let it simmer. Let it simmer for the rest of the day, and that's I'll cool. I'll just I'll just hysterically break out in laughter throughout the day <laughs> thinking I'm about it. I'm just like fast food well Alan thank you so very much thank once you, again Pete. for being a guest and I, I hope I know the audience is thoroughly going to enjoy, have enjoyed our conversation I hope so thank you Peter I would like to thank Alan again for spending time on this episode talking about moving from the technical expert to more of a strategic leader great advice and go buy his book well worth the investment in time and in money. Before I close, I would like to talk about the first five episodes of this podcast that are qualified for CPE self-study credit under the NASBA category of personal development. Those interviews are with Clark Price, who's the retired CEO of the Ohio Society of CPAs. Mike Scorantino, who's the author of the book, Gratitude Marketing. Tom Hood, who's the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs. Ed Mendelwitz, who's a partner in the accounting firm of Witham Smith & Brown, and Carl Ulrichs, who's a human resource professional at the insurance company of Gregory & Appel. These episodes are located on the Business Learning Institute self-study website, and they are mobile-friendly. Create an account from your computer and purchase an episode. Then you can listen to the episode on your mobile device, on your daily commute, or while you're working out, or even while you're sitting at your desk. And when you're finished, Take the review and final exam on your mobile device or on your computer. It's that easy. While all selected Improv is No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed instructions by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn Improv is No Joke podcast on the homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. 
Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life for only $14.99 and the shipping's free, please go to my website and you'll see the available now graphic on my homepage. Just click and go to the shopping cart. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $14.99 so you can listen on the go. I'm in the process of writing my next book with a working title of financial storytelling, and I'm previewing content on my social media. Connect with me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. On Twitter and Instagram, search P. Margaritas. And on LinkedIn, just search my name. And there's actually two Peter Margaritases in the greater Columbus area, but only one who's a CPA. In episode 74, my guest is Jennifer Briggs, who's the Chief Operating Officer at the Indiana CPA Society, and our discussion centers around competency-based learning for Indiana CPAs for license renewal. Thank you for listening, and remember to use your principles of improvisation to better connect with your clients, your customers, your peers, and your family. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.